Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into the Sox on Tap postgame show presented by On Tap Sportsnet. Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve, unfortunately discussing the first White Sox loss of the year. Steve, how are you doing this Friday evening, my friend? I'd have been doing a lot better had the Sox held on to that 3 nothing lead. I agree. I concur. I mean, it's a tough one, uh, especially when things felt like they were going so swimmingly early on. Um, I think that that's the biggest disappointment for me. Um, we, we got a lot to talk about, uh, get into here. But uh, before we do, um, make sure, listeners, that you're going to subscribing on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. So you can go and join the comment section with us here. Give us your take on the game, what frustrated you, what you like. Anything like that, we'll go and feature it on the broadcast. Make sure you go and follow us on social media at Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. So, Steve, getting into this one, um, White Sox set the tone early. Um, Eloy Jimenez provided the first inning run um, after Tim Anderson, uh, a walk and some savvy uh, base running there, still second. Um, I like what I saw early on. Yeah, that first thing was was pretty encouraging to see. Uh, kind of a little bit of a continuation of what we saw from Tim last night. And then during the World Baseball Classic, we're seeing a little bit more play, patience at the plate from him. If that's an element that he can add into his approach offensively, that's going to make him just that much more dangerous. We saw the base stealing ability. He's always been very efficient doing that throughout the course of his career. And I think that's something we will definitely see a lot more of here with some of the rule changes here in 2023. And then Eloy yeah. being opportunistic, kind of the antithesis of what we saw yesterday, being first inning right there, having a guy in scoring opportunity and taking advantage of it right away. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's like my favorite word. So I was really happy to see that, uh, especially jump on a, you know, the, the Astros are solid starters from kind of top to bottom. Uh, they, they have no shortage of pitching depth, um, really. And so any of these guys that you face, obviously, from Ravel does is a lot of guys. Uh, Cy Young, uh, preseason pick. Um, Christian Javier, no slouch either, facing in the night. So um, I was happy with what the White Sox were able to do first. Um, and then, hey, we got to talk about guts and nuts. Before we get into the bad shit, the stuff that happened later, the, uh, how this game finally spiraled out of control for the White Sox. Guts and nuts. Lance Lynn was due for a good start against these Houston Astros. Tell me about what he did tonight. You know, he was going out there and he was diversifying his pitch mix a little bit more. This is something that I talked about with Anthony yesterday. He was working in that curveball more frequently. Some of the recent struggles against this Houston team with uh, this cast of characters from Lance, we saw very much due to that fastball-centric approach that he has had for a number of years now. So working in that breaking ball since he's been doing since last August, um, he was going out there. He was getting some pretty good results. He got himself into a couple of jams, uh, running some deep counts up there, walking a few guys, but he was able to wiggle out of it there for the most part. So he, he went out there and he put this team in a position to win a baseball game tonight, and that's really what you can ask for on the second night of the season. Right, uh, Steve, we're looking at final line here. Five and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, both of them earned. Four walks, six strikeouts, one home run, and that home run was the one that chased him, two-run shot, allowed to Kyle Tucker at the end there. But um, overall, I love the fire, passion, grit, TW, TW. We got some great pitching ninja moments out of Lance Lynn tonight. Uh, we got a couple of celebrations. We got a case strut with the, the point up to the sky. I know he did that at Milwaukee a couple of years ago. Kind of that was the first time he really introduced that, and he's done it a few times. But then we also got the primal scream uh, back in there, and uh, you know he was fired up. I, I think you know as much as we we've kind of went back and forth about oh like I'm worried about guys going to the World Baseball Classic. Uh, how is this going to affect them? I feel like this was kind of a good, you know, starter for Lance Lynn 
for the season. I feel like he got him into a rhythm earlier because he had to get going earlier. Yeah, kind of got that adrenaline going, kind of a pre- approaching it like a big game playoff type atmosphere yeah. for him. I know he was definitely jacked up the uh, game at uh, Chase Field that I went and saw him pitch. So definitely getting the blood pumping a little bit more than you would typically for you know second game of the season here. So getting ramped up a little bit quicker, like you mentioned there, I think that's pretty exciting to see. And for Lance having the shortened uh, year that he did a year ago due to some of the injury concerns that uh, propped up with him and, and the knee issue, I think getting him ramped up a little bit quicker, I think that's going to be a good thing for this team and for Lance overall. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, good to see good stuff from Lance in his first start of the year. Um, but unfortunately, well, I guess we still had some more good news after that, too, because uh, when he exited there, um, there was a little six inning surge by our White Sox and three straight pitches uh, to chase Christian Javier from the game doubles on all three of these pitches. Benintendi's was a little bit of a you know, chase up in the zone, but then some solid contact, both Eloy and Moncada driving balls to the right center gap and uh, bringing home runs, those two. And that, that made it 3-0 there. Um, I, you know, this is what you need from the heart of your lineup, uh, especially after how many missed opportunities we saw early in the game yesterday. I know that Vaughn was eventually able to come through at the end yesterday, but, um, kind of a, you know, different, uh, mix of it, uh, today where it happened. Yeah, that was definitely a bright spot to see the three consecutive doubles there. Andrew Benintendi, a little bit of a hustle double right there, getting a nice read, seeing that the way that, uh, he made contact with that ball. It was kind of pulling Jordan Alvarez away from the throw a little bit. So being aggressive, had a nice slide in there to get into second base. And then, as you mentioned, Eloy and Yoan uh, provided some more power in there. It was really frustrating to see them not be able to get that fourth run. That would have been a really pivotal run in that situation. I always like the idea of being able to go up four runs because then you're basically forcing a team to have to hit a grand slam, at least to tie you. Right. So, that, that hurt a little bit. That was something that kind of stuck out to me a little bit, just not being able to push that fourth run across when you had an opportunity. And ultimately, it, it did prove to be detrimental here. Yeah, so to refresh my timeline, was that catch by Kyle Tucker out in right field during that sixth inning too when the White Sox could have added more? Or was that in, a, in the seventh or after? No, that, that, was in, that was in the seventh inning right there. Okay, all right. Well, yes. uh, I was going to yeah, say, so there was an opportunity for extra bases that was taken yeah. away, right? Yeah, yeah. After Johan got that double to uh, make it a three nothing game, uh, Gavin Sheets, uh, Tony's baby boy, struck out on a really just a, a bad at bat. Um, you know, and then uh, you had Yaz with the fielder's choice, and then uh, Oscar Colas gets hit hit by a pitch, and unfortunately, Elvis Andrus isn't able to come through with a clutch two out hit right there. So they had opportunities, they had some guys in spots to try to put a punctuation mark on that inning right there and they just weren't able to do it tonight unfortunately yeah so um that one hurts like you said not being able to add more but at the time we're cruising we're feeling good uh but then it's time to turn it over to the bullpen and this is where the bent then broke um title of our episode comes into play um because james lambert comes in and his first work of the year um was a close one um because <laughs> that foul ball that went down the left field line a it was sky high so like you couldn't like really track exactly where it was on the tv broadcast and then b it was it had to be within like i don't know what five ten feet uh, of the fair pole down there luckily on the foul side of it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, he there was a little bit of walking a tightrope right there, but look, ultimately he was able to get out of that inning there. Um, you know, was able to uh, get uh, Jolks to pop out to Gavin Sheets to close the frame. So no harm done. It's just a a long strike 
in the books, as they say. Yeah, right. So he was able to get out of his uh, fill in there for uh, Lance, but then uh, Kendall Graveman uh, comes on and this is, well, I guess this is like why I go with the bent first because, oh, he gets what's up a uh, single, right? Uh, to start the inning. Um, and then he gets a ground ball double play, and you're like, okay, we got eight hitter or whatever, nine hitter tonight, I guess, right? Maldonado coming up. And this, this should be, this, this this should be the I'm... time to you know, get get out of the inning. We already, you know, that threat was alleviated if it was going to happen. And then he walks Maldonado. And Steve, this was the turning point of the game. Absolutely was right there, 100%. walking Maldonado. Because then bases end up getting loaded uh, was another single and then a walk um, as well. After that, um, go to Jake Diekman. Obviously, all these runs still on um, Kendall Graveman, but Diekman was at first pitch that he allowed. Jordan Alvarez, um, I, you know, playing the lefty-lefty. Nowhere in bummer after using them last night. Um, go Jake Diekman, and we all, we all know about that experience. Excuse me, the Jack Diekman experience uh, from last year. And uh, th- that thing goes off of that weird wonky wall of who knows where the hell is a home run, who knows where the hell is, uh, you know, uh, in play, what kind of crevices are out there. But either way, Benintendi can't track it down out there. It's too high anyway. Brings in all three runs there, clears the bases. And like you said, that's coming back to bite you where you couldn't get the four. Yeah, so there's a couple of key sequences in that inning right there in particular. Um, you cannot walk Martin Maldonado. That is completely inexcusable. This is a guy that is a just one of the weaker hitters in all of baseball. He exists because of his ability to receive and to handle a pitching staff. You cannot walk him in that spot. And then you have Andrew Benintendi. You know, when Jeremy Pena goes, hits that soft liner to left field, I don't know if he misread it off the bat or if he lost the ball in the lights. I felt like that was a ball that should have been caught. That would have ended the inning right there. And then even on Jordan Alvarez's three-run double, it almost looked like he just took a bad route there. So there were two opportunities there for Andrew Benintendi to put that inning to a close and weren't able to do it. So you have those three sequences happen right there in a very short time frame. That's how quickly an inning can turn against a team that's a defending world series champions. Yeah. And I think it's got to come. Obviously you talk about those opportunities and sure. Could he made a better play, made a better route. You know, who knows exactly what the outcome would have been. We we don't have a time machine to go back. However, we do know that the walks just kill. You've talked about this in numerous articles and on tip the importance of white Sox pitching staff, not just starters relievers as well. Limiting walks this year because they skyrocketed right since 2020, essentially. And we're seeing, you know, I don't think it was as big of a problem yesterday, but then seeing it creep up here in game two. And it, in my opinion, kind of what what ends up being the costly one. Cherry point and yeah, technically game winning hit Jordan Alvarez. But what set that up, right? Walks to guys that you shouldn't even be walking. 100%. You know, they went out there yesterday. Dylan Cease didn't walk anybody in his six and two thirds. They had two walks. Over the course of the nine innings there, that's what you need to see happen. And that's part of the reason why that was such a positive outcome yesterday. What did they have? I think seven or eight walks as a unit today. You can't do that against a team like the Houston Astros, even if they are without guys like Jose Altuve, without Michael Brantley. You just can't afford to give them free baseers, particularly at the very bottom part of the order where they are vulnerable you just can't allow that lineup to turn over in, in situations like that. And that was really kind of the undoing of this thing. 
Ooh, this one cuts deep, Sal. Man, in the comments saying this looks like a 2022 Sox Astros game. I I agree, and like I said, that one cuts deep because we all, um, you know, and remember the house of horrors that Houston has been, even dating back to playing there in 2021 playoffs, right? Um, but and then last year too, with all the struggles that the White Sox had, and it sucks because yesterday felt like he set a different tone. And it felt like a different brand and it was pretty clean and, you know, it was cool and tough because of the late heroics and uh, holding on and, you know, kind of outclassing the Astros in a way and said you turn around and you kind of, you know, shit down your leg today. <laughs> yeah, for 15 innings here to start the season, things were pretty crisp for the most part, pretty fundamentally right. sound, and, and they looked a lot better than what we saw from them over the last year and a half. Cause I think you could even go back to, you know, the second half of 2021 when they really kind of started to play mediocre baseball at that point. Um, and then things just really turned on a dime here today, unfortunately. And so um, hopefully the pitching staff can go out there tomorrow, get that cleaned up and uh, just not give the free passes away to these Houston Astros hitters. Yep, bent and then broke. That's the story of this one tonight. Um, we, we got a couple other notes to touch on here from this one. Oscar Colas making his first MLB start, obviously made his debut with the pinch hit appearance last night, um, but made, made his start tonight and, um, you know, got his first hit last night, but uh, some over. I know he got the hit by pitch today, but Steve, I, I just want to reiterate this. And it's not that you shouldn't be excited for players or root for players or any of this, but I've been wanting people to just pump the brakes on this because the prospect track record that the White Sox have had has not been exceptionally great in terms of their transition into the big leagues. And it's going to be a process. It's always going to be a process no matter what, but man, especially when you're thrusting into a role where this team is kind of like a, what make or break essentially year. And people are, it's Oscar Colas hype train and Oscar Colas for president and this and that. And I see so much of this shit on social media and I'm sorry, maybe people are just making a shtick out of it or something, but my God, I see way too much of it. And then it's absolutely dead silent, radio silent when he goes over today. And as you know, the performance that he does. And I just want to go and reference, you actually wrote it up. You put my, my thoughts into words a few months ago, or I guess kind of early spring training, I think. And it was, you know, exercise, you know, level of patience and, you know, temper some expectations for Oscar Colas. So I just need to get that off my chest and get that out there. It's not that you shouldn't root for the guy. Shit, I'm rooting for the guy, but I just want that to be known and put it out there into the universe. And maybe if we collectively take a little pressure off of him, that'll take some weight off of his shoulders and be able to perform more freely and just be a guy and not have to be like the guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's pretty well summed up there, Jonathan. Just know that this is a a first-year player in, in the major leagues. There's going to be ups and downs with this. There's going to be advanced scouts that are going to be out there. They're going to figure out a book on him early on, and he's going to have to make adjustments. That's always kind of the, the talking point is that when you bring up a rookie and if they have success initially, the league is going to adjust it. Then it becomes how does he adjust back or we're waiting to see this whole process unfold with Oscar Colas. I think you're absolutely right that people need to temper the enthusiasm with him. Again, I want him to do well. I would love for him to just go out there and just start smacking the ball out of the ballpark and being an impact player on both sides of the ball right away here. But as you talked about here, we've been burnt by this so many times in recent memory that I think we just need to exercise caution with this 
let the game kind of come to him a little bit, let him get the plate appearances under his belt. And I think eventually he will be a productive player here, but there's going to be, there's going to be some ups and downs with this process. Right. I just wanted to get that out there. Thank you for backing me up on that. Uh, finishing off Colas there over three, obviously had the hit by pitch uh, struck out once left two on base tonight. So remember, Gonna be a process, as Steve just said. All right, we'll get one question here from White Sox. He says, "How do you think Robert looked at the plate last or tonight?" But you take it away, Steve. You had a pretty good take on that, and I think it speaks to uh, what we all observed. Uh, the Luis Robert thing is just really frustrating right now. We saw two kind of polar opposite at bats from him that were both equally frustrating. That first at bat and the second, in, excuse me, in the first inning there, it's just same old, same old slider 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 as i joked on twitter.com the luis robert layoff of slider challenge hashtag impossible you know um i don't know why anybody would throw him a fastball if we're being honest with you but then his second at bat we saw christian javier throwing some 93 94 mile an hour fastballs right down the cock and he's swinging over the top of them now jason and, and steven stone kind of talked about the the high spin um fastball that christian javier is able to create and that riding action on it which kind of gives it a little bit of extra life on that 93 94 making it maybe seem like about a 97 98 and he was swinging right over the top of those so two very frustrating at bats um, he was able to get a hit. I want to say I think it was in like the seventh inning or so. So he he got on base once here today. But the plate approach is still a concern, and this is still one of the big reasons why I do not like him hitting in this number two spot. Yep, I agree. And you know, I think there's I don't know about Benintendi at three um, either. And I feel like if you're moving Robert out of two, that's a spot for Benintendi to slide up up into right and maybe rearrange some things below it so that would be my ideal one but i'm not in the manager's chair um glad we got your thoughts on that though because i agree um the, the chase stuff is I, I had you know a couple people a couple of other friends text me about it too and it's like well robert never learned to you know lay off it and it's like doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it at this point all right steve we're on to game three of this series uh white Sox looking to go back up in this one with lucas giulio on the mound he'll be facing jose urquidy uh battle of righties here down in houston day game uh one uh excuse me one ten p.m start uh down h-town so uh we're looking for from this contest looking for lucas giulio to go out there and establish fastball command got to work ahead Got to stay ahead. Got to limit the walks. We saw today what happens when you give this Houston Astros team free base runners. It's problematic. Lucas saw a spike in his walk rate a year ago. So this is going to be the first regular season start with these refined mechanics that he developed over spring training going back to the elongated arm swing. So it's going to be fascinating to see if he's able to maintain consistency with his mechanics and, and repeatability with his delivery. And then also seeing... If he's going to be very fastball slider heavy, he kind of deviated away from the changeup during much of the second half of last season. So be fascinated to watch if he starts to incorporate that into his pitch mix. That's another one for you, Anthony, uh, here tomorrow. There you go. Had the one drink every time Steve talks about pitch mix. All right. So we're up to at least two or three uh, on the show. So be, keep that running all year here at Sox on tap. All right, uh, Steve, I'm going to turn to the offensive side here and let's get some picks to click. Um, I'm going to give mine first, if you don't mind, and I'm going to go with Eloy Jimenez. First time uh, I've done that this year. I know we've only had three games, but I always like a good Eloy pick. Um, liked the two doubles tonight. So I'm going to ride with him. 
I, I think that's a really good pick right there. And assuming he's back in the lineup, I think we're going to get the first meeting of the AV club here in 2023. Excellent. Excellent. I had AV uh, luckily in the home opener. Unfortunately, my dumbass forgot to send the tweet out. So people didn't know, but um, I did have it. Besnick, our guy, Sox insane headed as well. Um, so yeah, the AV, he'll be back in the lineup too. I would imagine uh, after Gavin Sheets was in there at first base tonight. So um, overnight for Gavin Sheets as well. So um on back onto the AV club. So uh, I feel like that's like a little, like kind of, you know, I feel like it's an NBA term, but load management, right. A little bit with Vaughn, yeah. just with the way that his spring training ended. Um, I kind of feel like that's what they're going for there. So, all right, yeah. everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of socks on tap. Unfortunately, first loss of the year, but we're here to talk you through it as always. Hey, We'll be here all season. So make sure you subscribe on tap Sportsnet on YouTube and follow us on social media at Socks on tap and at on tap Sportsnet. Steve hit me with the final thought and then let's get the hell out of here. The legend Hawk Harrelson used to say, you're going to win 60. You're going to lose 60. It's what you do with those other 42. Chalk it up. Get them tomorrow. I love it. Great words of advice from Hawk there. Um, I just second that. And Hey, we're in position potentially, you know, get out of this thing with the series win still. Let's go and do it.